Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Providence Crier Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Follow me on Twitter, that's at Providence Crier. And with me as always, we have BOC. Follow him on Twitter, at BOC all day. Read our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Today is... Uh, Friday, December 31st, it is New Year's Eve, um, BOC and I are recording in the morning here, going to try and get this out to you ASAP, but uh, alright BOC, Wednesday, PC hosts 15, Seton Hall, gets the victory, their fifth quad one win, what were your overall thoughts? My overall thoughts, first and foremost, are I think we have the whole allegiance of Providence fans uh, uniting against Ken Palm. My Twitter interactions around Ken Palm and our lack of growth there are hysterical. Uh, But besides that, um, great win for Providence. I think, you know, in our preview podcast and our article, we said, you know, there's a lot of curveballs that can be thrown with players playing or not playing. And that happened. Uh, Tyree Samuel, one of their starters, did not play. And then Ike Obiagu, who... He's a rotational player, probably would have played a more prominent role, as you had mentioned, because of Nate Watson. Um, he was also out. So you had two core players that were out due to COVID rules. Um, and that certainly helped the Friars. But, hey, especially in this day and age, a win is a win. Um, nobody's going to make excuses for us where <clears throat> hopefully this doesn't happen. But if it does happen where we have to sit a few players due to COVID policies or injuries, nobody's going to make excuses anymore. So just keep tallying up wins. And now we're playing for uh, NCAA ranking, ranking and seeding, not necessarily bubble play. So I'm ecstatic. Great way to end 2021. Yeah, for sure. And so the Friars do end 2021 on a high note with the 70-65 victory over Seton Hall. Um, so, BOC, you kind of mentioned it. So I'm just going to get right into my rant here. Um, first of all, you're building your army of anti-Ken Palm folks. Uh, as we sit today, we are 47 in Ken Palm, slowly climbing up. Weren't we like 40? Were we, wait, were we 46 after? Yeah, you, yeah, you missed my tweet this morning. I chose violence. I, oh, boy. I tweeted this morning and said good mor- something like, good morning, Friar fans. Just a heads up, it's December 31st, and we dropped in rankings from 46 to 47 in Ken Palm. Oh Have a nice goodness. day. BOC's army is going to be irate. But, just, uh, dude, can I, let me just say something really quick. At some point, like, you need to say, like, the metrics are just flawed. I'm tired of the, like, oh, well, it takes into the preseason last se- – or takes last season into account. The NCAA has changed, so the methodology should change. You get a lot of instant impact transfers. For instance, against Seen Hall, we had two players starting that weren't on the team last year. 
you can't take last season into account anymore. It's useless. It's an exercise in futility. You need to, there needs to be a new way to go about this. And if you're still referencing last year when we're freaking 13 games into the season, we're halfway through the season and in conference play, that's a problem. Like we shouldn't it, like, and the reason why I think people get upset is because it is a metric used ultimately when determining rankings in the NCAA tournament. And it's not, it's a flawed ranking system and it needs to be adjusted. So my, that's my rant. I'm, I'm done here. Yeah. So my rant's not really about Ken Palm, although, I mean, yeah, you make a point because you got a team like Michigan that was uh, AP number six going into the year. They still sit at 21 after losing last night against UCF. And now they're seven and five and they're 21. And that's all because of their preseason hype, which is insane. So really, really quick. In what world is a seven and five team with really no great wins? I, I mean, maybe I'm missing a game or two, but I don't think they have any great wins and they have some bad losses. In what world is a seven and five team ranked? What is it? 25, 25 spots ahead, 26 spots ahead of a team that's 12 and one with five quad one wins. Like, that yeah. doesn't make sense. Insane. Yeah. But my rant's not even about that, BSC. My rant is about fan bases and coaches freaking out and whining about gossiping out. Now, listen, I get it. Obiagu and Ty, uh, Samuel, that their absence was a huge impact in this game. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Um, you know, no Sonogo out for UConn was big. For for Hall, I get Willard being pissed about being only able to practice twice in uh, in the 17 day break that they had due to COVID. Um, but it's just like I'm sick of the whining. Like I know. First of all, it's not like you were missing Jared Roden or Bryce Aiken or or someone like that. You're missing two guys, important players, no doubt. But these guys aren't like world beaters th- that you're shorthanded with. And yes, I know Seton Hall was also without their entire freshman class, I believe. But I don't think Willard would have thrown those guys in at the dunk. I, I, I freaking doubt that. Um, so it's like, and like they had eight guys to play. So Providence only plays like a seven man rotation right now, anyways. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm just sick of the whining. Got Hurley coming out. He was just blabbering on and on. Woe is me. What else is new with Hurley? He can't get over the loss against us, clearly. But I'm just sick of these coaches just whining about this. Like either could Donnie you're Marco. A coach, you gotta adapt. Like, like figure it out. Yeah. No, I I agree. And listen, you can say what you want. It's a weird time. I get it. Um, but you know, your added the attitude of your team starts from the top, from the top down. So if your coach is going to start making those excuses and rationalizations, the team is going to start doing that too. And I would be pissed. Like I would be pissed off if I was a fan of Seton Hall, if I was a fan of UConn, like you can't have it both ways. You can't have a, a, in UConn's case, a stellar recruiting class and stud freshman. And then you have one of your big men out one start, one starter, one starter out. And it's like a litany of excuses. Uh, Like I'm sick of that kind of stuff. So in this day and age, like, you, you play with the guys that you have. And if it's a seven or eight man rotation, so be it. I saw this great, I saw this great tweet from uh, it was some like college basketball troll account where it was a Seton Hall fan that said, man, we were only able to play with a seven man rotation against Providence. And then it was like a fake Jay Wright saying, how'd you happen to fit so many players into the rotation? Yeah. 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 I think I saw that too. That was great. Um, 
but let's get to the game itself, I guess. Um, so, you know, obviously the storyline with those guys out, but in this one, I think PC's defense, like we got to start really talking about PC's defense here because it is legit. They have held opponents under 70 points for six straight games. Um, we talked about it in the preview, right? Slowing down Jerry Roden. We thought Manaya should be on him. Manaya was on him like glue the entire game. I, I'm, so he, he Roden finishes with 10 points on 412 shooting. Uh, he did get 10 rebounds, but he was frustrated all night. And it was yep. Manaya who was on him most of the time. Uh, he just, just did a wonderful job. Obviously, that, that play stands out where where Roden kind of sized him up, took a dribble in, did like a little pull-up, and uh, Manaya swatted him and, yep. and then started the break. Um, Manaya, did he not score that game? No, but that that's why, like, I'm, I love – that's why I loved him. Like, he makes such an impact even when he's not scoring. Like, yeah. I, could, I could do without the uh, the three-pointers. Like, I could do without <laughs> – I, I could do without those. Those are falling. Those are falling. Yeah. Uh, well, like Groundhog's Day, we'll be saying that like two months from now. Yeah. It'll start falling. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, he was on Roden like glue. Um, and so, like, I, I just think our defense right now is just unbelievable. Yes, seeing Hall shorthanded. Yes, they're a team that likes to play a long rotation, but they average 80 points a game. We just held them to 65. So, yeah. like, we really got to start giving credit to this defense. Um, and obviously, you know, I bring up defense, but the main story of the game was Noah Horkler. <laughs> Let's be real. 17 points, five of six from three. Um, he was dynamite in this one. And he did more than just score, too. Dude, he had – I'm looking now. He had 13 rebounds, three assists, three blocks – or, yeah, three blocks, two steals. Two steals. Yeah. He, like, I, I've said from the start, I think he's the most important player to this team, and I stand by it. I, I think he is – the most well-rounded player on this team. Um, Watson, obviously the best low post scorer when, you know, when he wants to be, um, but Horkler can do a little bit of everything. He is such an asset to this team. And he was, you know, if you look at, we were six of 17 from three, which is 35%, which is respectable. You take away his five of six from three. We are one of 11 from three. So oh. Yeah. You and I, you and I have talked about this. When one of Reeves, when one of Reeves or Horkler get hot from deep, our team is just incredibly tough to beat. Because normally you can pack the pain against us and have some success forcing other players to make shots. And when Horkler and or Reeves are knocking down shots from deep, you can't. We're a mismatch nightmare. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just think we have way too many options, capable options this year, uh, compared to to last year for sure. Um, so, another thing, I, I thought Bynum, Bynum's really coming on since coming yeah. back from injury. He was awesome in this one. He had 14 points. Um, I Like, there was this crazy stat that I, that I threw in, in the uh, post-game article that between Reeves, Durham, and Bynum, they combined for 37 points or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they only hit one three combined. <laughs> and that was Reeves. And that, that was that big dagger three. So yep. that, by the way, by the way, we bust Cooley's chops every now and then. That play design was absolutely incredible. Oh yeah, that out of bounds play. Oh my mm-hmm. god, that was incredible. Eight seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah, oh, 
it Reeves was wide open. He drew the defense to Watson, and then oh my god! And they said they set a pick at the top top of the uh, top of the arc for Reeves. It was just a beautiful play design. So nice work, Cooley. Yeah, so for sure. And I thought you know his guards today ha- or on Wednesday night had the mindset of just being in attack mode, uh, and it worked. And with with Bynum especially. We're starting to see a little Pipkins game in him. Well, what do you think? Yeah, dude, there were a couple sh- – it was like a couple of shots and where you're like, no, 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 yes. And he did that like two or three times in the last game. And um, we've always said, Cooley's offense, you need somebody who can create their own shot at the guard, lead guard position. And, again, I'll eat crow. I didn't think – I didn't think Bynum could do that, and he's proving me wrong. Um, so I'm I'm really happy to see that. And he just he just he, he compliments Durham, and Durham compliments him so well. It's like it's <laughs> it's crazy how things are coming together. I don't <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to do. <laughs> no, I know for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean the guards were awesome. I mean I, I think he picked on Aiken quite a bit. Um, it'll be interesting to see in the return game at Hall if Willard goes with Aiken a lot, um, you know, I think, I think in two games last year, he played Aiken heavy one game and didn't play much the next game against PC. Okay. I can't remember if that was for injury or not, but like, you know, typically with Bynum, you know, the smaller stature guys, they kind of get picked on. Uh, and I think with Bynum having that equal size advantage with, with, uh, Aiken, I mean, he just took him to school every time. Like, he was just driving on him constantly, blowing by him yep. constantly. Uh, so, that's good to see. And if he can carry that over to some of the bigger guards in this league, I mean, oh, man, like, who, who knows with this team. So, yeah, so now here we are, PC, 12-1. Um, and one. I was about to say 13-1. I was listening to the Tyson Tate podcast, and they were actually talking about P- uh, PC, BOC. Finally, we've earned some respect. I think what did, took- they, what did they? What did they have to say? Well, first of all, Tate said that we were thirteen and one. Which, hold on, buddy. Let, let, let's let's pump the brakes here. We're twelve and one. Uh, let's not just assume a DePaul victory. I'm not going to assume that. We'll talk about DePaul shortly here. But uh, um, yeah, they, they were basically just talking about PC. They, they were talking about how Hall was shorthanded and they loved the move by Willard to to bitch about to bitch about it, even though he played the game anyways, but just bitch about it afterwards just to do it. Uh, there were fans of that. They were big fans of Hall, but they were obviously, you know, gave us our credence for our five quad one wins. Uh, and that we've opened up quad one talk finally for the year. So with our five, it's, it's officially quad one season. But yeah, so Tate says we're 13 and one. Uh, we are not 13 and one, everyone. We are 12 and one. Um, big game on Saturday, Saturday, New Year's Day at Wintrust Arena against DePaul. Um, not a shoe in victory. We'll get a preview, but first, a quick word from our sponsors at Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Crier podcast. All right, BOC, PC taking their act on the road, two game road trip coming up, actually. Uh, but it all starts. Saturday, New Year's Day, 3 p.m. on Fox, uh, PC at DePaul. You're welcome, DePaul. We just got you a 3 p.m. game on Fox primetime in the middle of New Year's Day bowl season. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. 
Well, what are your thoughts, Bessie? This is gonna be interesting because um, you got Notre Dame at one, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that one, you know, it's not it's not it'll be fun to watch the Marcus Freeman era start and without getting on a tangent. This is the first time like the casual sports fan is rooting for Notre Dame. It's like a really weird, weird world. Um, but yeah, I'll be obviously watching the game. This is DePaul always plays us tough. Um remember last year in the garden. Uh, um DePaul always plays us tough. And it's worth noting, you never want to play a team that's coming off a loss, which they just did against Butler. And it's also worth noting their second leading scorer, David Jones, who averages 17 and eight. He's the dynamic duo of Liberty Freeman and David Jones. Uh, David Jones was out against Butler. Um, so while, while one player shouldn't determine whether you win or lose, if he's back, it makes, it makes playing against DePaul that much harder. DePaul has some good wins. They've beaten Rutgers. They've beaten Louisville. Their two losses are to Butler without David Jones and Loyola Chicago, who everybody knows is a, is a NCAA tournament darling. Um, so we're going to have our hands full, especially on the road. I think a theme for this year in the Big East is how difficult it's going to be to win on the road, regardless of who you're playing. So to be able to um, take down DePaul, who the casual fan may say it's the bottom dweller DePaul. I don't think they are personally. Um, to take them down on the road would be a great way to continue uh, – or hot start and start 2022 in a nice way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I yeah, Tony Stubblefield, new coach at DePaul, comes from Oregon, uh, kind of runs like a kind of space, kind of NBA style uh, game at um, at DePaul on offense. You know, I believe in Tony Stubblefield. I actually think him and their AD, their new AD, Dwayne Peavy, I think they're going to make it happen at the poll. It might not be exactly this year, but you can tell that they're trending in the right direction. Like you said, um, you know, the, their losses aren't bad. Their, their wins aren't great, but, but their losses aren't bad either. Um, you know, that Butler loss kind of sh- plummeted them in Ken Palm, speaking of. I think they dropped like nine spots for losing Ad Hinkle. Like, how is that fair? Uh, but, uh, Oh, but yeah, don't, I mean, don't, don't go back to Ken Palm, please. Uh, okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't want to rile you up, but we got yeah. we got to wrap up this show here. But um, so you know, they they got some talent. Javon Freeman Liberty might be the best card in the Big East if you think about it. I mean, twenty points a game score. Uh, his shooting um, splits aren't bad either. Uh, they're not out of this world, but but the, they're not terrible. He's shooting like forty three percent from the floor. Uh, 33 or 34% from three. Um, he does a little bit of everything. He, he gets in there on some steals, assists, rebounds, like really good all-around player, in my opinion. Um, you know, we saw him last year. I feel like he didn't have as much help with David Jones by his side. I mean, that's a pretty dynamic duo that they have there. David Jones has just come out of nowhere. And actually, it was David Jones who made like a small cameo in that game, uh, PC DePaul in the Big East tournament, and he like did some stuff against us. And I re- remember being like, "Oh, this guy could be good." And like, I was like, "Well, I'll probably end up forgetting who he is." And then like, I'll, I'll like see him go off, and then I'll be like, "Oh my god, that guy!" And sure enough, here we are. Uh, this guy kind of came out of nowhere, though. I believe he was from D two uh, before coming over to DePaul. He was on the team last year. I think he only had like two points or like four points or something, but uh, yeah. 
he made a cameo in that game and it stuck out to the crier. Um, but of course I ended up totally forgetting about him. But uh, you know, the one thing with DePaul, not super deep, I think in the end, our defense, our balance, our veteran leadership should get us a win, but I'm not ready to go as far as give it my prediction yet. I'm going to hold off into the article, I think, uh, which we will drop on the provincecrier.com. But um, what do you think? Do you want to give a prediction or do you want to wait as well? I'm going to wait. Uh, I need to analyze the team a bit more. Um, and hopefully we have no issues with any uh, people sitting out due to COVID. Uh, so a lot to be determined in the next 24 hours, I guess. Um, but this is the start of a – there's no easy games in the Big East, but you look at DePaul, Marquette, St. John's, the next three games. I forget who's after St. John's. Um, but those three games are all very winnable games, and we're already 2-0 in the Big East. This is a way to – if you can even say this, those three games is are a way if you can win all three or even go 2-1 and one there a way to kind of distance yourself at the start of the Big East or the front of the Big East pack. So these are very important games. And just because there's not a ranking next to their team names doesn't mean it's going to be a uh, cakewalk. And Providence needs to come ready to play. And I think they will because they have that seniority and leadership and uh, everybody has seemed to have bought in. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the, the one thing about DePaul, another quad one opportunity right now. <laughs> Um, I, it, so, apparently it doesn't, apparently it doesn't matter though. So. Apparently it doesn't matter, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think, you know, coming off a loss, I hate it as well. I really do. And then like, you think about David Jones being out last game. If he's back this game, they're obviously a better team. Um, you know, a lot of things to make you think that this could be a trap game. Um, but I, again, I am kind of leaning towards our, experience and all that helping us get get a win on new year's day um but i think that's going to do it unless do you have anything else no anyone else you want to you're assembling an army for or uh well it looks like it looks like jerry carino who is a big sports writer um in the new jersey area or the tri-state area he has jumped on board with the uh the flaws of ken palm so it's nice to see our grassroots movement starting to take shape. Um, Great. So, so yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what I, happens. And I'm by, worried BSC's army is going to get a little too out of control. To be honest with you, I, it I, might I make some rash decisions. <laughs> and by the way, there is there there is nobody who wants Providence to lose more on Saturday than the than Ken Palm. <laughs> yeah, like he, all the writers just want Providence to lose. Now they're like, all right, enough. This fan base is getting over their skis too much. Like. We need to put them in their place. But I said this to my buddy earlier this morning, and then we can wrap up. Should Providence – is? do I think Providence is a top-10 team nationally? Maybe. Maybe not. But their resume and their record says they should be. Yeah. That, that, that's object, that there's no, there's no, there's no bias there. If, if you took Providence's name away and you put any of the Blue Bloods' name with their same resume, they would easily be top-10, maybe even top-5. So, I mean, hell, Arizona – <laughs> just as an I've example, got, and Arizona's some, good. I like Arizona. I'm just yeah. throwing it out. There. I mean, I, I've gotten some pushback from folks being like, "Hey, you know, rankings don't matter." It's like, no, that's not true. Like, I guess in the in the end, they don't they don't matter. It's how far you go, but um, it's great for recruiting. It's great for national perception. 
straight from momentum for the program, for donations or everything. A ranking is a good thing. So it's okay for us to maybe say like, maybe we're not a top 10 team, but our resume shows we should be. So enough, enough of that, like they, they should be a top 10 team. And if they beat DePaul on Saturday to have another quad one win, they absolutely, they shouldn't move up three or four spots. They should be in the top 10 in the AP. That's just my opinion. And it's ridiculous that it's just because it's small Providence college that we're not getting the ranking we deserve. Yeah. I mean, luckily at least Gary Parrish starting to show us love. He bumped us up seven spots uh, as his to what, biggest to move. To what? Uh, to 15. Okay. So, I mean, not top 10, but I mean, that's jumping seven spots, BFC. That, that's pretty damn good. Uh, luckily, LSU got smoked by Auburn. Thus, they, it was pretty funny. He literally just swapped LSU and PC. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think um, who else played? Tennessee and Alabama played one. I forget who won that game, but both of them were ranked ahead of us. So, um, Alabama closed that one out. Tennessee had it, and then Alabama okay. played it. So they those two lost. Seton Hall obviously lost. So if we take if we take control of the game Saturday, at a minimum we should jump up three spots. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that will do it for the Province Prior Podcast. Thank you for following along once again. Uh, check us out our blog, theprovincecrier.com. Follow me on Twitter at Providence Crier. He's at POC all day. Um, you know that that wraps it up for for twenty twenty one. And uh, we will see you in 2022, Firetown. Thanks. See you next year, guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke, when I'm way up on the hoop, babe. Cross over, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo They were sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage And he see me bumping, so we gon' let him have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Cross over